Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come once again to this passage of Scripture, hungering and thirsting to know more of its truth. Lord, I pray that you'd help me this morning to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. For Lord, how can a human being preach on something that's past all understanding? Lord, it's something that, Father, you bless your children with. It's like desiring the true and sincere milk of the Word. We have to first taste and see that the Lord is precious. Lord, I pray that, Father, you'd help us this morning to see not only the preciousness of Christ, but, Lord, again, help us anew to learn how to pray with supplication and with thanksgiving. Lord, help us to understand what it is to bring our requests or make them known before God. And then, Lord, most of all, help us to know something this morning and following days and months more of the peace of God which passes understanding that keeps our often troubled hearts and minds and that through Christ Jesus. Lord, what a glorious and wonderful truth. Help us, Lord God, we pray that we might understand it even more deeply this morning. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm a, of a firm belief that with any sermon, though the preacher should have himself be somewhat acquainted with its divine truths, yet there exists in his heart and mind a sense of his own need to understand to an even greater degree that same divine truth he is so confidently preaching before others. The teacher, though he teaches, must himself continue to be taught. And I believe every preacher can bear witness to that fact. We are acquainted in some manner of what we're preaching, for it would be total hypocrisy if we weren't. But yet, though we are confident in the message God has given us, we're still very much aware of how much we have yet to learn of its truths ourselves. I say that because I was reminded this last week by hearing a very well-known and beloved preacher of, of, of a greater age. When talking about pride, he made the comment, and it surprised me, when talking about pride in a preacher, he said, as I grow older, it becomes less of a danger. And that struck me and worried me. I highly revere this man. He's a very well-known and good preacher. Yet I, I question that confidence that he has in being able to succumb or to overcome pride in his own heart. And yet I'm sure he meant well by that saying. Pride has no place in the heart of the believer, and it has no place in growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it's something that we always have to contend against. If there are nothing in this present world which could threaten the hearts and minds of God's people with care and trouble, this divine exhortation 
of the Apostle Paul to be careful for nothing would be in vain. I say that because I've heard so many sermons the last few weeks over this passage of Scripture that many reduce it merely to a command. God commands you not to be troubled or careful about anything. Yet if there was nothing in this world which would threaten our hearts and our minds with trouble and care, this divine exhortation of Paul would be in vain. And the blessed promise of the peace of God which passes all understanding, which alone can keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus, would remain a hidden and unknown truth to the child of God. So in many ways, in many ways, strangely, Cares and troubles drive us to seek the peace of God which passes all understanding through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And such threats of trouble and care should drive us to seek the peace of God which passes all understanding through Christ Jesus. And that by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving proves that we are in all these things, listen to me, proves that we are in all these things more than conquerors through Him that loved us. You see, God intends for us to be conquerors. Conquerors. Through Him that loved us. We don't flee trouble. We don't run away from it. We don't always seek deliverance from the circumstances. <laughs> we seek to be delivered in it. So that we might conquer in these things. That we might experience not only the great sovereign power of Christ. But also the love of God which passes all understanding as well as His peace. We conquer in these things. Christians must conquer in these things. For Paul speaks not of a deliverance from those things that threaten our hearts and our minds with care and trouble, but a keeping or guarding of our hearts and minds in the midst of such threatenings, and that by the peace of God which passes all understandings. So if there were nothing in this world to threaten our hearts with cares and troubles, his exhortation is in vain and we would know probably little or nothing to the extent we need to of the peace of God which passes all understanding by keeping our hearts and our minds. So in a strange way, I'm not condoning to be careful and troubled, but in a strange day, strange way, those things drive us to Christ. Strangely odd, is it not? How God uses things that destroy the flesh to increase the spiritual life. Just like sin, we all abhor sin as Christians. We hate it. We despise it. We don't like it. It threatens our peace and our joy and separates us from God. Yet at the same time, if it were not for Adam falling into sin, we would never know Christ. So strangely enough, God uses those things that are condemning and, and, and terrifying to the flesh, yet exalts the Spirit. So again, I'm not condoning that we should be careful and troubled. I'm just stating a fact. We are always threatened by care and trouble. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Through much tribulation, you must enter into the kingdom of God. We have a spiritual warfare to fight. We have a Satan who opposes us. We have our own wicked hearts. There are many things, many things in this present world which might cause us or threaten our hearts and minds to be troubled. Yet those things drive us to know something of the peace of God, which is past all understanding that we might know the comforts and joy of Christ 
in a blessed way. For the weapons, Paul said himself, Second Corinthians, for our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. The peace of God which passes on them. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. The thoughts. The cares. Casting them down. Listen to these words. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That is what it is to know the peace of God which passes all understanding. That is the blessings we as God's children seek when our hearts and our minds are threatened by cares and troubles. We want to know the peace of God in the midst of those things. You know, twice our Lord would send His disciples out to face the raging storms of the sea of Galilee. Remember? That He might teach them and instruct them that regardless of how mighty and raging the storms may be, He alone has the power to still and quiet the raging storms. Twice He sent them out there. He sent them out there knowing that their lives would be threatened. He sent them out there knowing that they would face a raging storm. Twice He did that so that He might instruct them that He alone has the power to still and quiet the raging storms. And so too Christ would sovereignly permit us to face the mighty and raging storms of life which threaten our peace and hope in Christ that we might seek the peace of God which passes all understanding which alone can keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Lovingly, this is part of pain and pleasure. What He deems best. So with that said, let us continue looking at Paul's exhortation here in Philippians chapter 4. And may God give us grace to learn even more about this prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that we might know something of the peace of God that passes all understanding. Verses 6 and 7, Again, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Let your request be made known unto God. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. I was struck this past week with this passage of Scripture and I was greatly humbled by it because I fear that so many believers struggle with this part of prayer. Namely that of supplication and letting our requests be made known unto God. It's not for God's benefit that we're exhorted to let our requests, our supplications be made known unto God as though He's unaware or ignorant of our cares and troubles. Let them be known unto God because He's unaware of them. No, it's not for God's benefit. It's not because God is unaware of these things, but these words of the Apostle Paul were given by the Holy Spirit to encourage and excite our hearts to cast all our care upon Him, for He careth for us. You see, the problem we have is many times we think God is too distant, above all our needy cares. They're all underneath Him somehow. And we kind of just believe in the sovereignty of God and, and our small needs and wants and cares are so, so minimum before His eyes we simply turn it over to Him and simply say, whatever you want to do. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul says, let them be named known unto God. Many of us can pray. Worship, adore, 
lift up God. But I fear few know what it is to be supplicating before God. To request, to lay our requests be made known unto God. I fear few believers know how to do that properly. Some Christians, I, I fear, are in some ways intimidated, so much intimidated by God and Him being so great and sovereign that they don't know how to bring their supplications, their requests before God. But Paul would have us in this exhortation not only to pray, worship, lift up God, adore Him, Rise Him up in your hearts and your minds to what He is. He's a sovereign being. He's, he's, he's magnificent. He's glorious. But at that same time, Paul would say, but you should be able to enter into His presence to present your request or make them known unto God. Beloved, as we lift up our hearts in prayer, our hearts are then assured that this same God whom we praise, adore, and worship not only condescends to hear our supplications, but also takes great care when we cry unto Him. Let your requests be made known unto God. He's not ignorant. He's not unaware of them. But Paul says, no, you need to understand, God wants you to pour your heart out before God. Look at John chapter 16. John chapter 16, verses 27. 26 and 27. Christ here says, At that day ye shall ask in my name, and we do when we pray in Jesus' name, we pray. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. Listen to him. For the Father himself loveth you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. For the Father Himself loveth you. He's talking about prayer. He says, I'm not going to tell you that I'll pray for you or intercede, but the Father Himself loveth you. Few there be, beloved, who truly know the great blessings which comes with making supplications before God. The making known of our request unto God. For they struggle with the vain and foolish thoughts that their cares and troubles are far beneath God. I know I've felt that way, especially as a young Christian. I thought, who, who, is, who am I? Why, why should God be cared about my little small problems? He's sovereign. He's big. He's infinite. He's everywhere. He's huge. He's humongous. He's, his, his throne is in heaven and His earth is His footstool. God's too big and great to care about my small needs and cares. So in many ways, and often Christians merely stumble through their requests. Lord, I, I pray if this be Your will. I, that's not what Paul's saying. Paul says, no, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't pray that way. You don't present your supplications. You don't make your requests made unto God like that. You, you, you open your hearts up to God. You, you let Him know that. God wants to hear us as God's people. That God being sovereign and infinite in wisdom and knowledge, though not indifferent to my supplications or requests, yet in the grand scheme of things, we think them to be insignificant and frivolous. Let me tell you something this morning. There's nothing too frivolous 
in our lives that God doesn't want us to hear speak before Him, to bring before Him. There's nothing too frivolous. Sparrow falls from the sky. God says, I know it. A hair falls from your head. There's not one thing. There's not one thing that's too frivolous that God says, I ain't got time. Or I don't care. Not one. Oh, we pray. We want to give God honor and glory and adore Him and worship Him in awe and worship and all this kind of stuff. But we, we have troubles. We struggle with bringing our petitions to God and, and making them known unto God. Lord, here, here's, here's my problem. I'm, I'm afraid of this. I'm troubled by this. And Lord, I, I, I pray that You would hear me. And Lord, that You would understand and that Lord, You would help. Well, we know He understands. We know all these. But this is what Paul is implying. Scripture declares that the motivation for casting all our cares upon God is because we are assured that He cares for us. Casting all your cares upon Him for He careth for you. You know why we cast all our care? We're assured He cares for us. So Paul says, be careful for nothing. But in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I fear so many people misinterpret what Paul's saying. To crawl up into the bosom, spiritually speaking, in prayer, into the bosom of our Heavenly Father. When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, Parental love and care. Dad. Abba Father. Romans 8. Crawling up spiritually into the lap of our Heavenly Father and letting our requests be made known unto God. Have you ever prayed like that? I don't want to get ahead of myself, but sometimes when you hear Christians pray, it sounds, it appears, or you think that God is so distant and, 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 and so far away and unapproachable. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank You that You're such in the heavens and Your glory and Your... And I'm not, I don't want to belittle any of that because God is those things. But if that's all my prayer consists of and it doesn't consist of my Father, which art in heaven, hear my cries, hear my pleas, listen to my burdens, let me lay my quest before Thee, let me make them known before Thee. We've missed something to prayer. When you pray, the Lord said, say, Your Father which art in heaven, parental love and care for His children. Look over in Psalm chapter 34. This is all a part of prayer when it comes to seeking the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Psalm 34. Look at verse 15. Listen to this. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open unto their what? Their cry. Do you see what the psalmist is saying? His eyes are upon the righteous and His ears. He's listening. He hears very closely. He hears exactly. His ears are open ready to receive not just merely their prayers, but their cry. 
Have you ever cried unto God? Some people think, I believe in some way, when you hear them pray, that it's insulting to God for me to cry or to make my request known unto God. No, sometimes, as babes, as children, we simply cry. That's what Paul's saying. Prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Verse 17 The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and deliver them out of all their troubles. <laughs> they cry, and he heareth. Again, he heareth. They cry, he heareth. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as a contrite spirit. The Lord heareth. The Lord heareth their troubles. Psalm 116.1 says, I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplication. Let me say that again. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice and my supplications, my requests, but He's heard my voice. Do you know what that means? It means, for example, nowadays with all this technology and cell phones and everything else, people have a more communication, fellowship with one another over a phone or the internet than they do face-to-face. But when you talk to somebody face-to-face and you hear that voice, the tone of their voice, how they're expressing, it's kind of hard to do that on. That's why I, hate, I don't like text. I hate text. Because too many people read between the lines. I can't express the emotion or the tone of my voice in words. But when you're talking face to face, they hear your voice. It's not like, Lord, I, you know, I really need some help down here. No, it's, Lord, I, I really need your help. He heard my voice. It's like when you're talking to somebody face to face. It's so much more comforting, isn't it? Talking to a friend or a family member when you're in trouble. Talking with them face to face. And they're seeing your countenance and hearing your voice. The tone of your voice. Is it not more comfortable to know that they're listening? And does it not help us to understand when we hear that? Communication is broken down in, in the world today because of technology. But the psalmist says, God has heard my voice. I love the Lord because he's heard my voice. He's heard my voice and my supplications. He's heard my voice and my supplications. Beloved, could there be a greater motivation to pray with supplication? His ears are open to their crying. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth. He heard my voice and my supplication, therefore I love the Lord. Is there not greater a greater motivation than that to make our requests known unto God? So many believers, when they pray, they sound unfamiliar with God. It's as though he's a stranger. He's some distant person that can't approach unto. And I'm not saying we shouldn't reverence God. We've already discussed that by, by the words prayer. Adoring and worshiping and awe, worship God, lifting up in his great characteristics and who he is, his person. But Christ has given us much more than just acknowledgement that he's God. 
He's brought us into a living, living relationship with God in such a manner that we can call God, God, Father. And we don't use that. Can you imagine your son or child always calling you, Sir? Now, we should reverence, yes. But don't you like the name Father? Hey, Dad. I love it sometimes when my daughter texts me and she'll say, Hey, Daddy, what you up to? I just, I, I love that. I mean, she's in her 40s, but I'm still Daddy. You, you see how this is one of the warmest, most compassionate exhortations, I believe, of Paul? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Yes, be careful for nothing. Yes, there's a threat of being troubled over things that you shouldn't be. Yes, it's in a form of a commandment. Oh, but oh, Paul says, here's how you take care of that. I'm not adding more trouble to your conscience. I'm not adding more sorrow to your careful and troubled hearts and minds. I'm telling you, in the state of that being troubled and careful, go to your Father. Pray, lift Him up, worship Him, adore Him. But then bring your supplications with thanksgiving. Let these things be known, these requests be made known unto God. (coughs) By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Such supplications and requests, though often joined with crying... Yet surely not cowardly or faint-hearted. Because they're through Christ. Listen to me. We have an amazing (laughs) combination here. We have Paul encouraging us to enter into the presence of the Almighty God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known unto God. But there's no way, no form or fashion where Paul is saying this is some cowardly or faint-hearted attempt. Because he says, and know the peace of God which passes all understanding that will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's not a cowardly. It's not a faint-hearted, oh God, if you pleased. Oh God, if you... No, there's... Listen to me. Uh, You need to understand this. It's it's not a cowardly requesting. It's not a faint-heartedly It's one that's through Christ. So it must be made boldly. You know God loves that? Let me show you a minute. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Listen to Paul instruct us how we should pray with supplication. Hebrews chapter 4. Now listen to these words. Hebrews chapter 4 beginning of verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now with that in mind, listen to what he says. Let us therefore, because of what I just said, what we have in Christ, who has entered into the heavenlies, he said, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Those who seek to obtain mercy, 
unmerited favor, and find grace to help in time of need, Paul would instruct to come boldly, not cowardly, under the throne of grace. You know why I say that? Because what we have in Christ, we should be boldly <laughs> thankful for. You know what Christ has given us? He's given us and He's obtained for us access unto the Father. You know what glorifies God? When you come before the Father and you make your request made known unto God in the boldness of what we have in Christ, we have the petitions because of Christ. Christ has given us so much in His salvation. He's accomplished so much for us. I have the right in Christ and the privilege and honor to come before the throne of God and lay my request before God. That is the boldness that glorifies God. Because it's in Christ, not in ourselves. And we come often so cowardly. Oh Lord, I pray that if it be Your will, Lord, if it even be not Your will, I come in the name of Christ. Prayer of the upright, the psalm, uh, Proverbs said, is his delight. The prayer of the upright. So when Paul says, be careful for nothing, but in all things, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus, never be ashamed of what Christ has accomplished for you and I. Never be ashamed. And I know we're not, but I'm just reminding you. Never be ashamed of what Christ has accomplished for you and I. What He has secured for you and I. Be bold in Christ. Not bold in yourself. Oh, that glorifies God. I come in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. I come in the name of Him who brought me salvation. I come in the name of Him who in Isaiah 53 paid the price, the ultimate price, so that I might have peace with God. I, I, come, I come in the name of Your beloved Son whom You love and adore above all things. This is what He's accomplished for me. And the Father looks at us and says, for that kind of boldness, I truly, truly shall bless Thee. Remember the Old Testament saying how He wrestled with the angel of the Lord? In the Old Testament, Jacob wrestled all night. In the morning, the angel said, "Well, I've got to go. I'm not. I'm not letting you go till you bless me. Ain't gonna do it. Ain't gonna let you go till you bless me." He said, "That's awful proudful." No, no. He said, "I ain't letting you go." So he touched his side. You know the story. And he, and he limped the rest of his life. But Hosea said he was. He had power with God. God likes that. When we come not bold in ourselves, but in Christ, your Son has given me so much. I have the perfect righteousness of God in Christ. I have everything I need to bring my petitions before thee, Father. And I'm praying these in the name of your Son. I pray. You know, we listen to the charismatic, and sometimes we think we're kind of they're kind of crazy when they say, I claim this in Jesus' name. And sometimes, you know, a lot of times. A lot of that's fake and fame. But there is an element of truth in that that we miss. All things you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Believing. Lord, strengthen our faith. Oh, Peter, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'd move this mountain. Do you realize what you can do in Christ? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. 
So no, don't come cowardly or faint-heartedly when you make your request made known unto God. Come in the name of Christ and come boldly to the throne of grace to find grace and help in the time of need. Because Christ has obtained that much for us. Prayer, supplication, and I must hurry with thanksgiving. When we've made our request known unto God by prayer and supplication, it's a genuine heart of thankfulness. Dearly beloved, listen to me. It's a genuine heart of thankfulness which ushers us into the peace of God which passes all understanding. With thanksgiving, let your request be made unto God and the peace of God which passes all understanding. Thanksgiving. Isn't that the end of all things? When everything else is said and done, no matter what it is we're facing in life, when everything's all said and done, you know what's going to end up to me as Christians? Thanksgiving. What's going to happen in heaven when we get before God? The end of all things after we've worshipped and praised God for countless thousands of years, whatever it might be, how long ever it might be, you know what's all going to end up to be? It's going to be unending, never-ending, eternal thanksgiving. Isn't it amazing that he mentions the word thanksgiving before he even mentions making your request made known unto God? Why? Because we're always thankful for God, no matter how it turns out. Right? I'm going to make my request made known unto God because He loves me and He hears my voice. He hears my cries. But Lord, it doesn't matter if it turns out the way I want or not because I'm going to thank You for all things anyway. I'm going to thank You for the good times and the bad times. I'm going to thank You for the trials and the times of peace and joy. I'm going to thank You for all things. I'm going to thank You for all things. Haven't we also learned in life, day by day, we sing that song, haven't we also learned, most of us, I believe, here this morning, in life, that sometimes when God throws a wrench in our plans and it frustrates us, we find out only later to come to the acknowledgement that it was for our good and God's glory. Everything, everything is, everything is for God's glory, but everything works out to the good, to the love of God. Everything. You know, we look at that and we preach on that text a lot and we're always talking about, you know, the bad afflictions and trials and all these kind of things and the things that happen in life. But no, he says all things, all things. Even things that go on in life that kind of disrupt our plans. All things work together. Well, I wish that wouldn't have happened. It would have made my life today much more easier. This isn't going to complicate my day. All things work together for good. Thank you, Lord. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. At the end of the day, it's being thankful to God for all things. Because He will give us that peace of God which passes all understanding. I like Job chapter 34, 29. When He giveth quietness, when He giveth quietness, who then can make trouble? I got to think about that text all week long. When He giveth quietness, who then can make trouble? Nobody. If God gives us quietness and peace, you realize there's nothing that can trouble us? Nothing at all that can trouble us. Sinful man, when he's full of anxiety and troubled, 
he rests confidence and puts his confidence in himself and his logic and his reasoning. And if he can manipulate things to fit things in life to meet his plans, he thinks he's got peace. But that's not peace of what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about a peace and a quietness that keeps you in the midst of everything that should be disturbing you, keeps you calm and peaceful and fills your heart with thanksgiving to God. Look back in Philippians real quick. Let me show you something in closing here. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you notice there's no instructions in this verse? Verse 6 is full of them. Here there's no instructions. Yet a clear and glorious declaration of the divine effects and fruits of our truly praying, supplication, and thanksgiving. There's no instructions. He says, if you do this in verse 6, this is the fruits of it. This is the evidence of it. And it's as though Paul would have us to understand that such peace of God which passes all understanding can only be experienced and enjoyed by those who truly and personally come to know it. He said, I, he said, it's past all understanding. It's like Paul says, I can't explain to you this peace of God. You've got to experience it yourself. Like I said, it's like newborn babes. They'll desire the sincere milk of the word only after they've tasted it. The Lord. So Paul was like saying, I'm not even going to try to describe to you how this peace of God works. Because you've got to know it yourself. How can you explain to somebody in the midst of all your troubles or in the midst of your circumstances which should cause you trouble? How can you explain to those people that everything's good, everything's fine? I'm thankful God is good, God is great. How do you explain that to people? They can't understand it. Paul therefore says, no, this is something that you of yourself have to experience. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, it will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And you know, dearly beloved, that's one of the hardest things for any human being to do is to control their hearts and their minds. Especially when trouble comes and cares. You ever try to quiet your conscience? <laughs> you can't do it. You do everything you can to quiet your conscience. You can't do it. You can't sleep, stay awake at nights. Paul says no when you... Follow these instructions. These divine instructions against anxiety or care or trouble. The peace of God, the past which you're not going to be able to explain, not be able to comprehend, it's going to keep your hearts and minds. And you know the best part of all this, he says, through Christ Jesus. How can I be assured of that? Through Christ Jesus. Do you know what we have in Christ? We haven't even scratched the surface. Do you know that? Haven't even scratched the surface. Christ has given us so much. It's going to take an eternity to figure out all the things Christ has given us. How in the world can people who profess to be Christians become bored with the things of God? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That word is magnificent. Been reading it for 40 years. And there's still so many things in there. I'm reading it and going, how did I miss that? I read this thing 40 times. So much more to hear. So, beloved, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unknown to God. Approach God in boldness, but in reverence, 
in love, yet worship. Make your requests known unto God. Pour your hearts out. Trust in Him at all times. People, trust Him. Pour your hearts out before, before God, is what the psalmist said. You pour your heart out before God, the peace of God which passes all understanding, Paul said, will be the evidence and fruits of your doing that. Amen. May God give us grace to live in the light of this passage of Scripture, and may He grant us His blessings upon it. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, now for this passage of Scripture. Lord, I pray that, Father, you take uh, your words of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. May you write them upon the hearts of your children. Lord, I pray that, Father, we'd never believe to come to the end or comprehend it fully. But, Lord, may we, by your grace and mercy, ever learn anew what it is to be careful for nothing. And when those threatens, those threatening cares and troubles come, I pray that in all things and everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we'd let our requests be made known unto God. And may we enjoy the fruits of that with the peace of God that passes all understanding, keeping our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. May you now bless this time of fellowship. Lord, may you guide us and direct us. Lord, we love you and thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.